0: Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Well, alrighty. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 58. I was looking at my last couple episodes of Songs and Stories, and I think I could tie those and these upcoming couple episodes with the theme of travel. If you caught Songs and Stories episode 56 and 57, we talked with members of the former English band Strings, Martin Giles and Strings. I met them last fall at a festival on the West Coast, uh, actually up in the Sierras. In California. And they traveled from England to Colorado where they bought an RV and then drove out here and toured the West Coast, did house concerts, and um, just kind of made some connections along the way. Literally traveling. And in today's episodes of Songs and Stories, which is actually going to be a couple of back-to-back episodes, 58 and 59, we'll be talking with singer-songwriter Annie Moscow, who's made kind of a musical journey of her own. Uh, she started off in New York City as a classically trained pianist, and then she was in Los Angeles for a number of years writing for, uh, basically clients as varied as Disney and Sister Sledge. And these days, she's based in Arizona doing the singer songwriter thing. I met her at a I met Annie at a, a showcase last fall. There were about I think thirty of us doing three four song sets, you know. And for the most part, it was you know folks like like me playing guitar, telling stories, and singing a couple of songs Annie got up there with a keyboard and just blew everybody away with this you know great voice great songs very theatrical and as you'll discover in part two of this interview a lot of the theatrical things she does playing live is because she doesn't have a band and it kind of fills in a lot of the gaps we'll talk about that in episode 59 after this one so uh that was Annie Moscow, when I, and I met her, and I said, you know, I got this, this podcast interview series. If you're out this way, I'd love to to hang out with you and talk sometime, so we kept in touch. She was out here a couple of months ago, and she she came by the house for the, the, the kitchen table talk, and we talked about kind of where she's been and where she, how she ended up where she's at today. Talked about her two releases. She has actually two CDs, the 2001 release, Wolves at My Door, and the 2007 release, Visible. She's currently planning a third release. And um, and saw her show that night, which was really fun, and it was kind of fun, you know, seeing. It's always for me. It's always fun seeing a great performer and watching people seeing that great performer for the first time, and it was fun watching the crowd's reaction at Don Quixote's Music Hall when Annie played that night. Uh, You'll also find out that uh, me being you know Mr. Control Freak, uh, who attention to detail, just assumed that Annie was traveling with the keyboard. Uh, and she assumed that, or she thought that I had a piano here in the house. So as we were talking, I said, you know, I, I could do just clips off the CD, but we really want to hear you play. So uh, a recurring theme in this interview is like, gee, I've got to find a piano. And I'll give you the the the, the, the answer up front that we, we did find a piano in Part 59. So we'll get to that in a little bit. First, let's go ahead and hear a couple of things off her CDs. What's here? Um actually, let's hear... There's a great cover tune, there's a couple of great t- cover tunes on her second release, Visible. Uh, here's a little bit of a wonderful Beatles cover, which follows my, my rules of cover tunes, which is, if you're going to do a cover tune, don't do it anything like the original, otherwise what's the point? So, with that in mind, here's a great Beatles cover off her second release, Visible. And then we're going to hear, um, that was supposed to be mine off Annie's first release, Wolves at My Door. And then we'll talk to Annie around my kitchen table. Uh, one more thing, if you're new to Songs and Stories, if you go to my website, michaelgather.com it's dot rcom look for Songs and Stories 58 and 59, and there'll be uh, a description of these episodes along with some links to Annie's site, her tour dates, her CDs that you can purchase, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, have a look while you're listening to this. And in the meanwhile... Here's Annie Moscow with a great Beatles cover, uh, a tune off her first release, and then we'll talk to her around my kitchen table and try to find a piano.
1: When I-
2: I was 19 My eyes were focused on a dream And all the doors were Opened wide A so to me to walk inside My second chance It never came Now I'm not one to Cry or blame But that was supposed to be Mine, 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 mine That was supposed to be Remember when I was 19 called my stupid dream. You shared with me your deepest fears. You said, where will you be in ten years? Your tired lines were well received. I didn't have the guts to leave, but that was supposed to be mine, 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 mine. That was supposed to be. That was supposed to be mine, 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 mine. That was supposed to be.
0: I really, I really enjoyed *Wolves at the Door*.
2: Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks.
0: It, it almost has like this twisted Disney kind of air to it in parts. I mean, it sounds v- almost like very theatrical, uh-huh. but really fun. And was it kind of a midlife kind of CD? There were pieces of that, or maybe well, I was maybe I was reading myself into it.
2: No, I mean, because I wrote it at midlife. I guess it is yeah. a midlife CD because yeah. you know you write what you see. Uh huh. Yeah. So these were things going on in my life right. and my friends' lives, and that's what I wrote. And yeah. I guess it sort of is a midlife, because I know a lot of the subject matter dried up and dying.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, my, yeah. my, my, this morning I was, I was working, and I was listening to Where's My Silver Lining. And oh, I, yeah. I love that song. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And um, I, I, I love the path that people take. I wanted to find out how you got from New York to writing for Mickey Mouse to writing a song like By the Bitch of Cadillac.
2: You know, I'm not sure myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well,
0: you're from New York originally.
2: New York, New Jersey, yeah. Philadelphia, the tri-state area. Yeah.
0: And you're classically yeah. trained? I am.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a lot of different incarnations, I mm-hmm. guess. I started off as a classical pianist. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what I was going to be. I mm-hmm. went to college for piano performance right. and played Chopin and did that whole route. And... But I, I think I always wanted to be a pop kind of writer because I always loved mm-hmm. like the Beatles and Joni Mitchell. Yeah. But it just wasn't open to me when I was growing up. You know, mm. it's like because um, of
0: where you were taught, where you played, or just people. Looked, I, I think my conservative
2: upbringing. Okay. It was like if you're going to study music, you're going to study Chopin. You know, you oh, didn't. Okay. And girls yes. didn't. At least in my family, you know, girls didn't go off and play in bands, you know, it, yeah, it was a different yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. if I wanted to be a musician, there was only one way that to be was a musician, the path you took. and that was classical.
0: Yeah, and the whole singer-songwriter yeah. thing hadn't really broken open, probably as big as it is now, I wouldn't think.
2: Well, I don't know. Um, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, they're all a little older than me, and they, yeah, were, yeah. they were doing okay,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but... Yeah, maybe it wasn't as big a deal, especially for a female Yeah. I don't know. But I think in my heart that's Nora. what I always wanted to be and mm-hmm. always saw, but I just got music whatever way find I it. could, where it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did what a lot of girls um, my age did when you can't be something you marry. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> you yeah. marry
2: somebody else who's doing it. So I married a pop keyboardist Mm -hmm. singer Mm -hmm. and started started working with him actually we started writing songs together and that's how we got into the Disney and Mm -hmm. a lot of the a lot of the twists and turns were through um, through our songwriting Mm -hmm. and it's funny because when I married him, because he was such a versatile keyboardist and right. he could play anybody and with anything, mm-hmm. and all I could play was Chopin if it was written down, you know, yeah. or Beethoven, the classical kind of training thing, I never considered, for the longest time, I never considered myself that kind of a musician,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. Um, so, But I had always written poetry, so we became a songwriting team because he needed a lyricist mm-hmm. and that's something okay. that I could do so I started writing lyrics
0: so you were always and a writer
2: I was always a writer yeah. always a lyricist yeah. um, never considered myself a contemporary musician though mm-hmm. you know yeah. Um, mostly playing you know all the dead guys yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but I got to at it Pat, I yeah. know yeah but because I was a lyricist I was active in the contemporary music scene, you know, whatever way it could be, writing mm-hmm. songs with him. And then when we had our son, we did what a lot of music parents do when they have kids, they decide to write a children's album. Mm-hmm. So we did that in, um, I guess, the mid-1990s. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a, a good album. It did really well. We had three radio hits on it, nice. in kid's radio, but we had just written and produced it, and mm-hmm. I wrote the lyrics, and he wrote the music. And we had our, a lot of our friends, and some of our famous friends, you know, did cameo spots on oh, it. Yeah. In fact, Sister Sledge was on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we actually
0: wrote for her. You wrote one of her songs. One of their songs. Cap-
2: yeah, Got yeah. It. They were, you know, they were friends, and we'd yeah. done some writing with them. So we had more of our famous friends sing it. And then when we had three radio hits, people would say, oh, can you come and tour? Uh. And so, of course, we said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, if you insist.
2: If you insist, right? And up till that point, I had never been on stage except behind like a grand piano. Mm-hmm. And so, in six weeks or less, I learned to play keyboards, mm-hmm. and I learned to sing okay mm-hmm. enough to get up on stage yeah. and yeah. do it. And for about two years, we toured as children's artists. Oh, great! With um, our children's music. Mm-hmm. And I guess getting some guts to get up on stage and doing that mm-hmm. and finding myself in that arena, I mean, I don't know if you want to hear the whole story, but a few more twists and turns mm-hmm. and fast forward, and now all of a sudden, I can do this, Yeah, you yeah. know, and I, I... had a question, what yeah. was it like
0: going from being, just playing behind a grand piano to playing a keyboard, what was that transition like?
2: Um...
0: For a non-keyboard it, player. It encourage. was a big deal. Yeah. It
2: was a big deal. Um, when I decided I was going to be out there as a pop musician or keyboard mm-hmm. player, I, I bought myself... My first keyboard is like a joke among keyboard players because it probably weighs over 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 88 keys, mm-hmm. fully weighted keys, you know, doesn't have... Hardly any bells and whistles, but yeah. I was a piano player. I needed a piano yeah. I could carry around. Yeah. You know, I can't lift the thing myself, but it was my first keyboard. <laughs> and it had to start somewhere. Had to start somewhere, right? I'm I'm a little better about it now, mm-hmm. but I made a promise to my piano that it would never see a sheet of music,
1: mm.
2: and to this day I have honored that promise. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone from a, a reading piano player to a, a writing and creating mm-hmm. um, pop musician, yeah. but it was long and hard and I had to I had to go kind of cold turkey and just stop. Right, right. Just stop it. In fact, um, I didn't play classical piano probably for like 10 years or something. I, I never mm-hmm. didn't. now I, I do again a little bit. But Was that because you were stopped. focusing
0: on pop or was it a conscious decision or were you just busy with it other things? It was a conscious
2: decision yeah. because... I don't know, I think it's a different part of your brain.
0: Probably. Yeah,
2: yeah. cuz you're you're creating or finding your way around. You just come from a different place. Mm-hmm. At least I did.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
2: Maybe it's just me. Huh?
0: So were you in LA when you were doing the the children's album and the pop music thing and we
2: we moved to LA as songwriters. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine
0: it'd be easier there. Was it easier? or just different. Well,
2: that—that's where we hooked up with yeah. everything. We were living in um, outside of Philadelphia at mm-hmm. the time, and it was really either New York or mm-hmm. LA. And we'd spent our whole lives on the East Coast, so we said, "Let's try something yeah, new." That okay, makes sense. so that's when we moved to LA, and we became a songwriting team. Mm-hmm. And the children's stuff came about. Right after we moved to Phoenix because mm-hmm. we had a young son which was part of the reason we moved too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And when did um when did the singer songwriter emerge?
2: Okay. And the first
0: album was Was at the Door, correct? Back in two thousand one more or less. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I'd been on the stage.
0: Recovering any Moscow in twenty minutes or less. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: oh no, is that all we have? No, we no, talk no, fast. No, yeah. It's a good thing I'm from New York. This is like a
0: five hour sim car, we can, ta- really? we can okay. ta- all
2: day. Um, having started getting on stage as a singer Mm -hmm. and getting more comfortable with the keyboards and like I said I'd written poetry and lyrics all my life Mm -hmm. and I'd been doing it professionally now for I guess about 10, 15 years and it it was so much of a craft and so much of a part of me that whenever I was feeling anything it came out in rhyme you know Mm -hmm. because that's just what I did Mm -hmm. and I was going through some kind of hard times um, in, you know, my adult life Mm -hmm. and dealing with certain things that a lot of us have to deal with, and I just started writing all these lyrics that were very, very personal. Mm -hmm. They weren't weren't for other people to sing. They weren't for children. They Mm -hmm. weren't anything. They were your songs. They were my songs. And I started writing them, and I... How my husband and I, my ex-husband right now, Hmm. which if you listen to Wolves at My Door, maybe you'd understand. (laughs) No, just kidding. But yeah, I started writing all these lyrics um, that were very personal. And the way we always wrote was either he would give me a tape of music to listen to and Mm -hmm. I'd listen to it for a while, come up with words, or I'd leave the words for him. Mm -hmm. And up until this started materializing we we were always writing with people in mind or with projects in mind like mm-hmm. oh so-and-so needs a song we'd listen and right. you know, we'd write for them or we're writing for children here's a good idea you writing
0: with someone's style someone's character exactly someone's, yeah, we don't write with people
2: with... in mind and these were very much my lyrics and i was like going backwards i was thinking well so-and-so could sing this if it had a good yeah. melody but I wasn't writing for that person yeah. it was really writing for me and I left all these lyrics in a pile mm-hmm. for him on his desk and um, he never got to them mm-hmm. just never got around mm-hmm. to them and he kept saying he was going to and I believe his intention was in the right place but he just never got to yeah. them. and I started getting mad because a couple of years would pass and my lyrics were piling up mm-hmm. like, what are you gonna write the music When are you gonna write the music mm-hmm. And finally, one day I got so mad, I said, well, I'm just going to write it myself, mm-hmm. you know, and not that I had ever written a pop song in my life,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, the music, but it's like, well, I can play the piano, mm-hmm. you know, so I just sat down and I just started writing songs. Yeah. And we had all
0: the background. You had all the tools. I did. Yeah, you just had to put them all together. Yeah, I have different
2: tools because yeah. people are always commenting on how different my music is and saying what style it is, mm-hmm. and I'm not really sure. Um, the music just came out of it. It just came out of my background, yeah. but it's not like I've been playing jazz for ten years and now I'm writing jazz. Or it's not Was like, it
0: kind of like the "Who do you sound like?" kind of question that? Oh, I get everybody's bonkers. Yeah. At? Who yeah, do you or, sound like well
2: or are you jazz? Are you folk? Are yeah, you rock? You yeah. know, I get that. And
0: maybe I, <laughs> sure, depending on the song. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's when the singer-songwriter thing came mm-hmm. out cuz I just sat down and started writing and even then even then I was writing the whole songs thinking I was going to pitch them to other people mm-hmm. to sing. Well, you were
0: probably used to doing that. Yeah. yeah, that's it what you—that's that, that was—that's the, the way you operated. You it wrote songs for other people, or you right. took them out and sold them, or pitched them. Yeah. Yeah. These are kind of like your own stories with your own music behind them and your exactly. own lyrics, and yeah. Yeah. it was a big left turn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Huge. But I started taking voice lessons because uh-huh. I mean I had an okay enough voice, but yeah. I didn't, you know, I'd never really sung before except yeah. background with children stuff. Right. So I didn't really think of myself as a singer. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started taking lessons, I started bringing my songs in Mm -hmm. to sing for my voice teacher. And she was around the same age as me and she was really relating Mm -hmm. to what I was writing. And she was saying, do you know what you've written here? Do you know what you've done? And I said, well, they're they're my songs, you know, they're my life, blah, blah, blah. She goes, no, do you know what you've written? And she gave me the confidence to take myself a little more seriously. Good. And um, in fact, my husband was taking from her too Mm -hmm. at the time and i'd never played him Mm -hmm. any of these songs Mm -hmm. so i finally did and he got excited now he's my producer
0: oh very cool (laughs) yeah very cool. but yeah
2: i i guess a lot of left turns Mm
0: -hmm. we all do that yeah we all do that yeah yeah and every every turn kind of leads you where you're at right now Yeah. Yeah. yeah even the wrong ones I know. <laughs> I always think, I think I've written about this in something on the new, the new release, but it's like, you know, if I, if, I hadn't, if I hadn't made that mistake over here, I wouldn't have met this person or done this thing, and it wouldn't have got me probably where I'm at right now. So, yeah. yeah. Like, like somebody asked yeah. me, I think I was interviewed for the the local paper, the Good Times, like a year and a half ago, and the question that she asked, she said, you know, are you... Cause I started writing songs about eight years ago, and she said, do you wish you would have started sooner? And I said I I should say yes, but then I wouldn't have the same stories and I wouldn't have known Absolutely. the same people. So it is what it is, you know. It's Absolutely, a, the answer is supposed to be no, because <laughs> it gets yeah. you where you're at. Yeah,
2: because that's your whole perspective. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's what makes you unique. If we yeah. all started playing the guitar in college and sat around folk circles and took off from there, we'd all basically have the same stories. Be doing the same we? thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, like on my new record, it's um, a lot of it's I, I call it, it's, it's like 80% autobiographical. And a lot of the songs yeah. I wrote really just for me, thinking they're too obscure, they're, they're so esoteric. And the ones that are the most esoteric seem to be getting the most response.
2: Wow, so like what, which one?
0: I got a song about, well, I'll give you a couple, called okay. Where the Time Go, and it talks about. I wrote it on my birthday a couple of years ago. It was, there's a lyric about singing the Ramones on my 17th birthday at the Santa Crucifica. There's a, a verse about seeing. Let it be at the sash from the night after John Lennon was shot. There's a, mm-hmm. a, a, a verse about a, a Dan the Green concert they used to have at the Oakland, Oakland Stadium when I saw ACDC the last year that Bon Scott was alive. And I just kind of wrote that because I thought it was kind of fun to write, and it's people like the, and the chorus is basically where the time go. I don't know, and people like that chorus. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So. So you write, you write your own stories. And yeah. So that was your first release. And then you did Visible?
2: Visible. Mm-hmm. Um, I released in 2007.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, Steve produced it. Nice. And, oh, where's the piano? I know. I thought we did. I know.
0: We're going to go find a piano when this is over with. Okay, We'll cool. find a piano. We'll go okay. for a drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find something here in town. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so you, so you uh, Visible was your second release.
2: Visible was my second release, and... I have all the material Mm -hmm. for a third one, and we're talking about starting to go in and lay it down, but I'm thinking it would be really fun to do live, so we might do something live first. Yeah, something different. Yeah, Yeah. because I I love the energy Mm -hmm. of a live performance. So I'm hoping when I get back from my tour, we can maybe sit down and see what we have. Neat. Yeah.
0: So you're out in California, This is so you're doing Don Quixote's Tomorrow Night, which I think... Oh, by this time this comes out. But what else are you doing? Are you yes, we'll be there. Awesome. We'll be there. We'll awesome, be there. <laughs> awesome.
2: Um, I'm doing Coffee Gallery backstage. Okay. On Saturday.
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah, and that's all that's left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A quick California run.
2: Yeah. Well, I did uh, Laguna Beach. Okay. Um, last last week on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to do something in San Maria, but the room got. Closed or canceled for March. Hmm, yeah, but that's okay. This is my first time doing. Was rest- Annie
0: Mosca doing a tour in California? Kind yeah,
2: of, yeah, yeah, and I've already lost one thing. You know, I'm wondering how many things can you lose on a tour? You know,
0: because
2: yeah. you have to keep track of all the stuff everywhere. Right, so right. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty mind-boggling. Yeah,
0: I interviewed on um, Terry Hendricks a few months ago, and she has this workshop she does every year, and she has this. One of the pieces is called The Part That Ain't Art, and it's about the, the tracking and the music and the business and yeah. all that stuff that really takes up all your time. I know. Yeah, I don't think people realize how much time is spent, the emails and the phone calls, and, okay, I'm playing here on the 17th. Okay, and then, okay, I'm still going to play on the 17th, and you call back to me. <laughs> I'm still confirmed, right? Okay, good, good. I'm yeah. leaving now. I'm getting on the plane. <laughs> I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> you almost want to do that. I'm, just, I'm doing a thing I've been reading next month, and I... I call. It. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a four-hour drive. But still, he's like, "Okay, we're still we're still confirmed." Okay, good. you have to. You don't want to do lot of traveling and take all your stuff. And... Oh,
2: I know. And then, oh, sorry, we're we're yeah. closed.
0: Yeah. So,
2: but this staying in a different place, like at least every other night, but sometimes every night is crazy mm-hmm. because I'm not. Normally, or I haven't been like a super organized person, mm-hmm. so I'm always going crazy. Did I leave something? You know, mm-hmm. I... it's, it's an art form in itself, yeah. I I'll bet you know. Yeah, I mean,
0: some people travel. and I mean, I, I met a guy last last fall, Dina Hubbard, who well, he kind of he lives in, but he travels in an RV. And I guess if you have those, if you can do that, that's great. Yeah, but that's a whole other Oh, well, then you have it, your so... whole
2: house there with you, yeah. And then yeah.
0: you have to have the resources to have an RV too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> coffee houses might not cut it, I don't know. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Um, we gotta find a piano. We'll find a piano. Like I said earlier, me, Mister Attention to Detail, Mister Control Freak, invites a piano player over to his house for an interview, and doesn't have a piano for her to play. Always thinking that's me. So we thought about it, and uh, I thought about going to the local music store, which is a little noisy. Then I thought about actually running Annie down to the Wooden Nickel, where I run the open mic every month, because they have a baby grand, which has a lot of character, though it's seldom in tune. And then I remember that my aunt Anna, across town, has a really nice, upright, she never plays anymore. That was probably in tune, and it was. So we we tooled over there, and uh, Annie played a few songs for us, which you're going to hear in part two of this interview, episode 59, my interview with singer-songwriter Annie Moscow. Um, once again, that was Annie Mosca talking about her two releases, Visible, Wolves at My Door, and kind of the path she took from being a classically trained piano player to writing for Disney and Sister Sledge in Los Angeles, doing a kid's record... And uh, how she kind of ended up in Arizona doing the singer-songwriter. thing she's doing now. And she's actually on tour and uh, playing a lot of places. So check out her site, AnnieMoscow.com. Or just go to Michaelgather.com and read more about this show I did with her. And you can find some links to her stuff. Uh, once again, this is Michael Gaither with Songs and Stories. If you have any comments about this episode, you can email me, Michael at I'd love to hear from you. So if you're up on iTunes, you should get Part 2 for this interview in a week or so. If you're on my website, just uh, click on Episode 59 and get started and listen to Annie play a little bit. And if you're listening to this back in Baltimore on Grateful Dread Radio, Part 2 will probably be up next Friday evening at 7.30. So stick around and check out Part 2 and hear Annie play a little bit for us. Thanks for listening. Take care.